I'm Monica Schmelzer, and I'm glad that you could join me today for Bridges. Today we will be in John chapter 20, or as I like to call it, the day that changed everything. I mean, this day, <laughs> Resurrection Day, as we talk about that and as we go into John chapter 20, what we call Easter or Resurrection Day really is the day that changed everything in the course of human history. Fallen man, man filled with sin, the ability to be forgiven and be reconciled to God through his son, Jesus Christ, means everything. So it's a day that changed everything. And we'll pick up John chapter 20, verse 1. It says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started running for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stopped, he stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the, the linen wrappings, the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and believed. For until then, they hadn't, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. So you think about this particular day. We left off in John chapter 19, you know, where Jesus has been placed in this brand new tomb. And evil and sorrow has covered the face of the earth. And it looks like all hope is lost. And yet scripture tells us, you know, that Mary, Mary Magdalene shows up at the tomb to check things out. So her heart is still for her savior. Her sadness, the hard circumstances, the evil of the just a few days prior did not stop her from caring about Christ or for seeking Christ. She shows up. And when she discovers that he's gone, she goes to get Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved and she makes the exclamation. And so they come running and, you know, the guy that runs the fastest is afraid. Well, it just says he just kind of peers into the tomb. He doesn't step in. Peter gets the second, but man, he's all in. And that's so symbolic of who Peter is as a person. He just all the way in. And it says that up until that point, the scriptures really just didn't, like it, they just didn't really make total sense to them that he must rise from the dead. Like they got to this point and Jesus dead in the tomb. And, you know, who knows all what they were thinking, but it had to be awful. It had to be heartbreaking. And now here they are in the, in the tomb and they see that all the things that Jesus said were true. And for all of us, while we're not in this situation uh, 
on the day that changed everything and haven't been in the tomb in real time when all of this happened. You know, there is an element of so much truth to that, that we believe in in Christ and we follow his word, but none of us know everything. There are passages of scripture that are still being revealed to us. We may know God's overall plan that someday Jesus is going to come back as, as a king this time. We know that the dead in Christ are going to rise first. We know that all the scriptures are going to come to pass, and yet we're people. We live in a fallen world. We know in part and we see in part. Scripture says, as through a glass dimly. So none of us know everything. And these, these people that we're looking at here in scripture, Mary Magdalene, Peter, the other disciple that Jesus loved, they didn't know everything either. They were following him by faith. And so sometimes if we can give ourselves and give other believers in Christ, and even those that don't know him yet, the grace to know that none of us know everything. Hopefully, what we're doing as followers of Christ is making it a discipline to read his word, to pray, to obey his word. Like hopefully we're growing in knowledge. Hopefully we're growing in wisdom and in stature with the Lord. But to, to give ourselves the space and the grace and others to just say, we just don't know everything. And so acting like a know-it-all, acting holier than thou, being judgmental, like not really having those things be a part of our life because we are all still works in process. He's still perfecting everything that concerns us. Scripture says that we are saved and we are being saved. We've been delivered and we are being delivered. And so it's like the salvation work in our life is is finished. We're saved. We're fully saved. But our growth in Christ, our maturation, our character, our knowledge of the word, our ability to understand the word, our ability to teach the word, if we're a Bible teacher, all of those things stay in process. And hopefully as we obey and purpose to be a follower of Christ, we mature and we begin to see more clearly with more experience and more time serving the Lord. So truth number one for the day that changed everything is keep seeking Christ. Keep seeking Christ even if all hope seems lost. In this particular passage of scripture in the the crucifixion, then starting out in uh, chapter 20 at the tomb, it seems, guys, like all hope is lost, like Jesus just lost, like he did all of this and then the soldiers took him away. He got put up on the cross. They, they threw dice for his clothes. Ah, just the horrificness of all of that, of mocking him, slapping him in the face. Just think if we had been on earth at that time and we had believed in Jesus and that we called him Savior and we called him Lord and we, we see all of that happen, how disconcerting that that would be. And yet here we have Mary Magdalene, woman, showing up at the tomb. Apparently, if she was concerned for her own life or concerned that she would get in trouble or whatever, it didn't bother her enough to keep her away. We see that she's quite a woman of faith and she went to get the disciples to tell them all about it. And verse 11 goes on and says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white robed angels one sitting at the head 
and the other one at the foot of the place where Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels ask. But look around you, your family, your faith, they're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung hero of her king and country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned out and she cried out, Rabbi, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and she told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. And I want to say this, and I want to say it just in, the, yeah, just in the most sweet way that I can think of. It's a woman who first really proclaims the gospel after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. And I don't say that in a mean way or to say that women are better because that, that's it's clearly not true. God made men and women. He made all of us in his image. And while some of the roles that men and women serve in may be different, we are all called to share what God has done in our lives with others. And so I don't think that, that there is anything coincidental about, about the fact that it's a woman and that it's Mary Magdalene at that, a woman who had quite a reputation and yet once she found Christ, she found everything. And she is the one on the day that changed everything that gets to go back. And she gets to tell, Jesus calls him, go get the brothers. He's bringing everybody back. He knows the scattering happened, darkness covered. And yet what does he do? He does what a shepherd, what a savior does. He heals, he mends, he restores. So if your life is broken and if it's shattered and it looks like it's beyond repair, we have a savior who specializes in healing and mending and repairing. He says that he plays no favorites, no favorites. He even says in Christ, there's no male or female, no Jew, no Greek, nor slave, no free, but 
all, that we are all one in Christ. So we're all called to tell what he's done in our lives. So truth number two for today is tell others what Jesus has done in your life. I think that we've kind of in so many ways made it that the only people that share the gospel uh, are teachers, Bible teachers and pastors and like ministry people. You all, I think we're missing it there. We are all his followers. We are all his witnesses. He calls us his witnesses. He calls us to share what Christ has done in our lives. And so wherever we are in life, male or female, young or more experienced, whether you work a public job, whether you're a homeschool mom, whatever, whoever is in your world, whoever is in your community, to share what he's done for you and to keep it really relational and simple. You know, you don't have to preach a whole message and give a theology thing and witness this certain way. You know, hi, how are you? Well, this is what Christ did for me. You know, it's we make it so much harder than it needs to be. I remember very shortly after I gave my heart to Christ, um, at that time I was going to a small a private Christian school. And so some of the students in the school, to their credit, uh, wanted to come by and visit and wanted to see how I was doing and growing in my Christian walk. And it happened. They didn't tell me they were coming over, but they came to the house and I guess rang the doorbell and my mom opened the door. And when I was a teenager, I used to like to listen to really loud music. And I was listening to mainstream music because I didn't, at that time, even know anything about Christian music. And I don't think there was even like good contemporary Christian music at that time. So I'm listening to the music really loud. And so my mom gets my attention and I come downstairs and I can see the concerned look on the two girls' faces. And so they start telling me, you know, when you come to Christ, you don't listen to mainstream music anymore. You know, that's all sinful and I'm like, you know, but I like it. And they're like, but, you know, it's just sinful. And they were quoting the scripture that said, you know, the old things have passed away and everything's become new. And they're like, you're still doing the old and you should be doing the new. And then I sort of, I didn't say anything out loud because I knew, you know, I mean, they knew more than I did. But I thought, well, then I wonder like if I'm really a Christian because I still like those songs. And so I wonder what they mean. The old is new and my desires are going to change. But here's the thing. They made it so stinking complicated I mean, basically, instead of it being a visit to pray with me, to pray for me, to to talk about maybe some of the ways that Christ had helped them grow, some of the ways that he had changed their life, it became like a rules and regulation session. What they were really wanting to talk about were, you know, what kind of, and if you're old enough, you'll remember this word, what kind of records or albums you have. I'm like, oh, I, I don't think I should tell you that. Um, and, you know, they wanted to talk about at this particular school, they really didn't feel that um, girls, women should wear pants, you should wear dresses all the time. And, you know, I didn't believe in that. Clearly, I still don't believe in that. I'm wearing pants today. But it was just, it was a rules and regulation session. And the thing is, we missed the whole, the whole opportunity. So here, when you're out in your community and you're in your neighborhood, there may come a time that you really need to say some hard truths to people. I don't think we should ever back down from that. 
But what I think is really important is to get to know people and to listen to them and to hear their story. And instead of preaching real hard and heavy and at their face, share how Christ has delivered you. Share how he changed the desires of your heart. Share how he helped you get out of the mess that you were in. I'll tell you, it's so different when someone comes to stand alongside of you as a friend as opposed to somebody standing over you, making you feel intimidated and judged. So tell others what Jesus has done in your life. Let's go to verse 19. It says, that Sunday, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. Listen to this, because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. (laughs) Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. In verse 24, it says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers in them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Think about that. He was like, yeah, you're gonna show me that's true. I'm not gonna believe it. And then in verse 26, eight days later, when the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them, the doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless anymore. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe me because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And you know, as many times as I've read that scripture and I've heard it taught, and there's truth in it, that we call Thomas the doubter, right? Doubting Thomas, that's where that saying comes from. He becomes famous for his doubt. But understand like he, like everybody else on planet earth at the time, went through a lot on that dark day when Jesus was crucified, when he was placed in that tomb. And so disappointment probably clouded Thomas's faith and his vision. And let's just be honest, haven't we all had our vision and our faith clouded by disappointment or heartbreak, or we thought something would work out this way and it didn't happen. And we just think, uh, How many times, right? I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it, we say. And so we look at verse 29 where Jesus says, blessed are those that believe without seeing. And we say, well, that's the best way to be. And it is to believe without seeing. We walk by faith, not by sight. And yet I want you to notice the compassion and the concern of Jesus that this disciple, this follower of his, doubting Thomas, 
He knew exactly Thomas's doubts. He knew exactly where Thomas was being sifted. He knew Thomas wanted to see that scar, those wounds. He wanted to touch it. He wanted to know for sure. And what does Jesus do? He says, well, put your finger here. He says, look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound on my side. Don't be faithless anymore. Believe. I say that because Jesus goes out of his way to relieve us of our doubts. Truth number three, Jesus goes out of his way to help us believe. You may right now have some real doubts. You may have a prodigal child that has some doubts. You may live next door to an atheist who has doubts. All kinds of people have doubts. Even in the book of Luke, one of my favorites, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief, right? Doubt is everywhere. Like, think about it. What experience do we have with a person being crucified on a cross, put in a tomb, and then you go to the tomb and they're not there? You know, we need to give these people some credit. I mean, this is some hard stuff. You know, this is just not every day. This is the day that changed everything. They show up to the tomb and it's empty. Mary thinks Jesus is the gardener and he's like, Mary, it's Jesus. Go tell the brothers. And Thomas is like, yeah, well, I'll believe it when I see it. The thing is, as you read the Bible, it's filled with people like you and me who we want to believe. We just don't know what to think sometimes. And we have doubts and we just think, I don't know if this situation will ever change. Well, I don't know. Well, what do you think? Mm, I don't know. And it's like the blind leading the blind. But we have this advantage that these disciples didn't have. We have the whole Bible. We have Genesis to Revelation. Jesus is the thread through the whole thing. We have the Holy Spirit that even though Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, all who know Christ, name, his, name him as saviors, Savior, have asked for forgiveness, have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. We have the Holy Spirit that's been shed abroad inside of our hearts that illuminates God's word, leads us into all truth, convicts us of our sin. You all, we have like so many advantages to get to know Christ our Savior to learn more about God. And for all the doubters. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 
800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And I'm just going to say this. So I have faith. I have moments of doubt. I have moments. I, I don't ever have a moment that I doubt Jesus is the son of God. I don't doubt that. But I have doubts about situations like, will that ever change? Will my prayer get answered? Am I doing something wrong? That's a horrible way to live. I mean, I, yeah, I've done that. And I still do that. And, I, and when the Holy Spirit gently and yet firmly points that out to me, I repent and I say what that man said in the book of Luke, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. So Jesus goes to doubting Thomas and gives Thomas everything he needs to see and believe. Now he does make the statement, blessed are those that believe without seeing. So praise God for that. But I say, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, if we can be the one that can believe without seeing, praise the Lord. If we have doubts and we just really need for God really to show us that, I want you to know he is such a kind, loving, compassionate, gentle, strong Savior that as long as we'll hang in there and pray, as long as we'll keep asking him to help us with these doubts, he will help us. He says if we ask him for wisdom, that he will give us wisdom liberally and that he won't find fault with us. So you don't have to sit alone in the dark in your doubts and just be like, well, this is where I am. I just don't get this Christian stuff and I, I don't think it works. Just have enough faith to say, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Because to understand that Jesus goes out of his way to help us believe. And verse 30 says, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus, the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So the day that changed everything is the day that nobody expected. It was the day that started out probably like most every other day and darkness had just covered the world. The mob mentality, the religious leaders all thought they won. They all thought they had defeated Jesus. They had gotten the man that called himself the son of God. The man that said things like, well, healthy people don't need a doctor, right? Sick people need a doctor. And he was just really speaking truth in the face of all those that thought that they were already good enough. And he was like, you know, if you are already good enough, you don't need me. But for those who know that they are sick with sin, for those that know that they are not enough on their own, I'm here for them. I came to seek and save the lost. And so all those leaders at that time thought, you know, we got rid of him. And those 
fishermen disciples with the Galilean accent, Peter with the big fat mouth, like we got them. We shut them all up. And who knows what they said about Mary Magdalene, a woman with all those demons, right? She got up after the darkest day ever and went to the tomb to find her savior and wasn't even deterred when he wasn't there. She might not have understood what happened, but she was gonna ask the gardener. She was gonna do what she needed to do to get his body. Her faith is great. So I say to you, don't let your doubts take away your faith. If you're doubting Thomas, just ask Jesus to help you with those doubts and he will help you. And to understand today's truth as we talk about the day that changed everything. Jesus' resurrection changed everything. The sin that killed him when God forgave it and raised him up from the grave, that day changed everything. And today's truth is we have life by the power of his name. And his name is Jesus. It's the name above every name. I'm out of time. Goodbye and God bless you. Hello, hello, Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's word, one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search Your Daily Bible Verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's Word.